You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Episode 6 of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy at Ken Stapon at McCarthy 95 on Hawk, the Hockey Podcast Network. BMAC, never a dull moment in Toronto Maple Leaf land and this week lived up to the expectations of the team making trades in the offseason. They dished Kasperi Kapanen to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a first round pick, Evan Rodriguez, a couple other prospects, uh, a couple other players in the deal for the Maple Leafs as well, but mostly just depth guys. What's your initial reaction to the trade? Well, I think it's Dubas working his magic once again. And I think it's pretty bold too, because, you know, a lot of GMs would wait until the playoffs conclude. But, you know, Dubas is hungry and he's ready to retool on the fly. And, you know, the Leafs are in win-now mode. You know, this isn't 2015-16 where they can just, you know, garner a bunch of picks and, and see where it goes. Now, of course, they landed a first-round pick, projected 15th overall. Actually, no, it is 15th overall, right? Confirmed is the 15th overall pick. 15th overall. So now Dubas has set himself up in, in a good spot. I mean, he can, he can deal that and potentially get something back even bigger. Or, you know, at the, at the end of the day, you have a first-round pick that you lost um, from the Marlowe deal, and now you get one back. So I think it's a win-win, and again, it was a, a beautiful move from, from Dubas once again. Yeah, I really like this move from the GM of the Maple Leafs. I mean, obviously the Leafs haven't had their first-round pick last year. It was in the Jake Muzzin deal that we highlighted in the last podcast. Uh, they missed out on their first-round pick this year, trying to get out of Lou Lamorello's mess with the Patrick Marlowe contract, they had right. to pretty much just package that and send it to Carolina for nothing. So to restock the cabinet here with a first round pick in the top 20 for a player of Kasperi Kapanen's quality, I think is an excellent, excellent move for the GM. I mean, Kapanen has had his flashes of greatness. Obviously he had the goal. I think it was in uh, what game five against the Capitals in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Game two, double OT. Game Kenny. two, double OT. Yeah, so it's a be- it was a beautiful play, and obviously the fans were pretty high on this guy, but yeah, let's be honest, he regressed this year. Last year, he potted 20 goals. This year, he was down to just over 10. Uh, he obviously wasn't going to be sliding up the lineup, really, when you look at the two guys on the right side in front of him, both Mitch Marner and William Nylander. Kapanen wasn't really a fit necessarily in that sense, and even when they tried him on the off wing, Earlier on in the year, they put him on the off wing with 
Austin Matthews when Zach Hyman was out, if you recall, and he never really fit in there too. He never looked comfortable. I think that the Maple Leafs just understood what this player was, and at that cap hit, he was just an expendable resource. For the Penguins, Jimmy Rutherford, on the other hand, sees this guy as fitting into their top six, playing alongside either Sidney Crosby or Geno Malkin. And when you're playing with those guys, you can put up some pretty big points. So not a bad trade from the Pens if he's able to contribute up and down that lineup. I think it's going to be a similar situation to when Nazem Kadri left. He's just Kapanen's just going to thrive in a new role. In a new Kapanen's just going to thrive in a new role as typically every ex Leaf does. <laughs> Um, we see how, how well Kadri's uh, playing in the playoffs. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, he's up at the top in the, the NHL scoring in the postseason. At some point, you have to pull the trigger. And Kapanen was the most expendable player on the Maple Leafs. And it was, it was the right move. And it's going to pay dividends. I would be surprised if this isn't a situation where the Maple Leafs just package this pick with some other players. We'll get into the trade rumors in just a minute. But when you look at the other depth guys that came back, I mean, Evan Rodriguez, not necessarily a super offensively talented player, uh, but he is a restricted free agent. So perhaps that keeps the cost down and it does help sort of solidify that bottom six that Kyle was very concerned about. And the other guy that came back that's of interest to me is Philip Hollander. Now, this is a guy that I'm not going to pretend like I've watched a million of his games playing in Europe or anything, but from what I do understand about the player, he was a player that the organization was interested in, but it, he just sort of got snapped up right before Toronto was able to draft him by Pittsburgh. And he fits the mold of what Toronto's t- trying to do. Sort of a small, more skilled guy, a little bit of finesse. He's very young, playing over in Europe right now, still putting up some decent numbers with his European club. I feel like he fits the mold for the Kyle Dubas echelon, where analytics sort of driven style of play that the organization has put a lot of stake into at this point. Yeah, they were high on Hallander the year they took Dursey. And then obviously they, they shipped Dursey to get Campbell and Clifford. Yeah. So, you know, th- this guy could potentially be another depth guy on the Leafs in future years to come. But I do like the Rodriguez acquisition. The other guy, David Warsofsky, I believe that's just part of the package. I don't think he'll see the light of day on the Maple Leafs club. But yeah, that's just more of a, a contract for contract situation to try to make it work. We know how stingy these GMs can be because you're only allowed to have, what is it, 50 contracts at the yeah. NHL level. So you need to be able to, sometimes when you're sending contracts out, you need to pick up somebody else's that might not have been working out for them. This is a guy that's probably not going to sniff the NHL. He's probably going to be a depth guy on the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so we'll see how that works out for him. But I, I'm with you. It's just sort of a toss in for the Penn's GM to make everything work. Let's get to the rumor mill. I'm James. And I'm Andy. And we host the Broadway Boys podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Every Monday we talk New York Rangers, news from around the league, and all aspects of the hockey lifestyle. It's It's never been a better time to be a Rangers fan. So tune in and join us as we break down games, prospects, rumors, and more as we follow the Blue Shirts on their quest towards the Stanley Cup. Our takes are all our own. And not always legally binding. But you're not going to want to miss all the guests, rants, speculation, and the occasional overreaction. He He scores! He scores! The 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod and catch new episodes every Monday morning on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and more. And this one will last a So what are you waiting for? Subscribe, follow, and listen to the Broadway Boys Podcast today. And be sure to check out all the exciting content on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, baby! The rumor mill, BMAC, I mean, never a dull moment in Leafs landed with the 15th overall pick coming back in the Kapanen deal. That got a lot of people wondering what the potential could be for making a bigger move and including the 15th overall pick as a key part in the deal. The one that we're highlighting on this week is also the same focus as the one last week where it was Marner and the, as the cornerstone of the trade going to Minnesota for Matt Dumba. This week, it's the 15th overall pick, Andreas Janssen and Timothy Lilligren in a package going to St. Louis. The return would be Colton Pareko, seems to be the chatter. What do you make of this trade? It seems like it might be a little bit light as far as Toronto is concerned. I actually like the package. I mean, we, we talked about it on, on a previous podcast that, you know, Timothy Lilligren's development has been rather slow considering he was a, a first-round pick in 2017. He hasn't really panned out. So this, was, this would really be his make-or-break season. But Dubas, again, might pull a savage, might pull a savage Dubas move and, and, and ship him. And next to Kapanen, Janssen was the most expendable player at number two. So, and if you sweeten the pot with a first round pick, GMs are going to be much more interested. I, I like that. And, and Pareko, of course, would be unbelievable as a, as a top defenseman with Morgan Riley. Like that, that needs no explanation. Yeah, it would be an unreal pairing. And I think that for Toronto, this trade makes a lot of sense. It obviously addresses the need that's been so discussed all the time. We discuss it on this podcast all the time. Uh, the need for a top four right-handed shot defenseman. It's been the biggest crux for the organization trying to find this player for as long as I can remember. And obviously Pareko has had some success in a top four role in St. Louis, decent shutdown guy. He's good in the transition game as well. The one thing I would say for St. Louis is they're probably going to want to see what happens with Petrangelo before they go out and start dishing Pareko because if Petrangelo decides he's going to leave in free agency, then all of a sudden this guy becomes a much more important piece to your club as he's probably going to be sliding up the lineup a bit. So I'm not certain that the Blues are ready to pull the trigger on a move before they understand what their captain's going to do. That's a very good point too. I mean, it, it'll be the domino effect really. because If they lose Petrangelo, it's like, well, now we only have one staple defenseman that we can ride. So it, it's going to be it's going to be a packaged big package deal if, if we were to get just one one of those defensemen in return they could even they could even go after Petrangelo man the way Dubas is moving right now they could I think it might be difficult for Toronto when you consider how many players they already have paying a certain percentage of their cap I mean if you add Petrangelo in there you figure this guy is probably due to get a eight by seven deal minimum yeah and, and at least have a, eight million cap low. space right now too that would be low, I think, for Petro. I mean, obviously, with the way the pandemic is affecting the league, I think that's going to drive contract prices down a little bit. Yeah. I would not be surprised to see this guy get nine by seven in free agency. And I'm not sure if Toronto, that's going to be a price that they're able to pay. The other thing that I would say for St. Louis on their side of this deal is if you trade Pareko to Toronto, then you're eliminating one of the primary suitors for Petrangelo and probably one of the more attractive destinations where this free agent would be signing. 
because you've already addressed the need from Toronto sense. And if they add Pareko, then they simply aren't going to have the cap space to sign Petrangelo. So it could be a little bit of a shrewd move by Armstrong to make this trade and take one of the primary suitors out of the market because a player of Petrangelo's caliber is really going to have his pick of the litter as far as contenders are concerned, where he would be able to go and sign and eliminating a market such as Toronto, which is a very desirable NHL destination. I mean, you should be right you know, now. Play, it is. Yeah. You, well, you'd prefer to be considering who here than necessarily in Florida or in Columbus. Those aren't as attractive options as far as just the city. Like Toronto is just like right. a major metropolis. It's a great place to live. If you're a player of that caliber, you're going to be a hero. You won't have to pay for dinner anywhere you go. The flip side of that is we all know, how the Toronto market can be towards big players, especially big players who are underperforming on big contracts. And it can be a lot of pressure for these guys. So in that sense, there's obviously pros to playing in the market, but there's some definite cons as well. Considering who's on the team right now, obviously, you know, five years ago, you know, John Tavares, Jake Muzzin as, as Leafs, you kind of laugh, right? But, you know, now you start to see interest from, you know, older veteran players like Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, you know, he's at the end of his career. There could be a shot there. Patrick Marlowe obviously was a leaf for a bit. So it's an attractive destination. So I don't think it's out of the question to, to completely disregard Petrangelo as, as coming to Toronto. But I think Pareko would probably be a, a better fit considering that he's only making five, five, you know, Petrangelo is going to be way more. There. And, you know, it's a fixed cap this year too, Kenny. It's 81.5. So the Leafs right now have 8 mil free in cap space. So they're going to have to tread lightly around that. Another guy that's been talked about quite a bit, actually, and it's surprised me quite a bit in this market in the offseason is Frederick Anderson. And we touched on this since the Maple Leafs got eliminated, whether or not this guy is going to be on the block. But there seems to be a fair amount of chatter in the market right now that the Leafs aren't actively shopping him, but that they would for sure be looking to upgrade the position if it becomes available. Is this a guy that, or how, I guess, which suitors could you see this guy going to? Because he's been an excellent regular season goaltender, but he hasn't gotten it done in the postseason. And when you look at that, I don't know if you can pay a guy a huge contract that you haven't won with. And the Maple Leafs haven't won with him in the postseason are you surprised by the chatter surrounding the Maple Leafs goaltender? I'm a little surprised because I, I would keep Freddie out of the trade block all off season. But again, people are, are still pissed and they want changes fast. But in terms of a, a team, I could see him going to, if, if they choose to take offers and, and deal him, probably New York Rangers, you know, you think New York, though, they've got a couple of young goaltenders there and are already going to have a logjam in Shesterkin and Georgiev, and they still have Hank under contract for one year. That, that, that would be my team in the Metro, in the Atlantic, maybe, maybe Buffalo. There's been some chatter I, about Ottawa as well, perhaps. I mean, he's a little bit more cost efficient right now, $5 million bucks. You could probably sign him to a reasonable contract, a little bit more expensive than that for term, which would be desirable for an owner like Melnick who doesn't like to overplay his players and likes to have them locked in at a fixed rate. Right. Um, when you look I at say, it, it's really, go ahead. I was going to say, I say New York just because, you know, Lundqvist, their, their franchise player, 
you know, maybe retiring relatively soon. And yeah, instead of sticking with year, a, yeah, instead of sticking with one of your your prospects, at least you get like a staple NHL goaltender. I think and, they're pretty high on Shesterkin in New York, though. I mean, this guy has been lights yeah. out for the franchise when he's been in net. I think uh, it was something ridiculous. Like his winning percentage is like around eighty percent since he started playing in pros. And that's like in the OHL. That's his uh, win percentage over in Europe and in the NHL. He basically wins four out of every five games that he comes into the in between the pipes, and those are excellent numbers. So I'd be a little bit skeptical, perhaps, about New York. I think that they really like Shesterkin and are going to try to give him an opportunity to win the starting job. I feel like the real problem for them is that the expansion draft is coming up. And right. The Kraken You enters. can't protect all your goaltenders. So right. what's, what's New York going to do? Because you're obviously are pretty high on both those guys, Georgiev and Shesterkin. Do you trade one of them prior so you can bring something back in return rather than just losing one for nothing? That's going to be a question yep. that the Rangers are going to have to address. And a lot of teams are going to be under the gun for that because you're going to be losing a player to the Kraken. And you saw what happened when Vegas did it. They, oh, really were, able to say. Fleece, they were able to fleece other NHL GMs to build up a really competitive roster, build up draft capital. And GMs were kicking themselves. I mean, because they were paying basically Vegas to take players like William Carlson who end up being the C1 yeah. on their team and putting up you know, unreal points in their first year. Vegas. Well, all the series now are at three, one. Yeah. Vegas scored like three goals in the third. They won five, three last night, including Carlson. They, they have, they haven't really missed a beat since their Well, well, who the hell makes the season? cup final in their first year? especially these days. I mean, this team wasn't supposed to be competitive right out of the gate. And that was one of the biggest worries was how, you know, unproven market. How do you build up a fan base with an expansion team? Who's probably going to be awful for the first foreseeable future of their NHL births. And then they made the cup final their first year last year. They obviously got heartbroken in the second round, but it's like, man, you're still in contention and you're making a deep run and it's your now third season in the league. Imagine Seattle just does the exact same thing. They just accumulate a bunch of role players and they all just dominate. Like, like you said before, William Carlson, Marcia. So Smith, like these guys weren't, were completely flying under the radar and now they're having major success. Well, yeah. were the, the originals. It was uh it was game. I, I stand corrected. It was actually the first round series. I thought it was the second round against the Sharks. You remember that meltdown in game seven? Oh, that, the that, third. That, that Vegas had. Yeah. in the third period where yeah. it was like, they were up three, nothing. And then like the major penalty and the Sharks stormed back to tie and then win the game in the third. Like it was a crazy, crazy circumstance. Vegas should have definitely won that game. A controversial penalty in game seven in the third period. Are you kidding me? So when you look at their success over the last two years, it's not really surprising. And when they look at the players that they've been able to acquire, whether it's Mark Stone, uh, Max Pacioretty, these were two guys who Flurry. were okay. Yeah, one of them was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. I figure Mark Stone was in line to be the next captain of the Ottawa Senators. And you poach both of them. They're both big locker room guys uh, in a little bit of a smaller role on the Vegas Golden Knights, or I would say a more balanced role than on their previous Canadian franchises, they've done an, a masterful job of creating a deep competitive roster from top to bottom. And they're going to be a difficult team to beat. Vancouver is really in a deep hole. We'll get into a couple of those series a little bit later, just looking at over where everybody's at. 
Let's get to our new segment. Who's at the library bar? She got me sitting at a bar on the inside, waiting for my ride on the outside. She stole my heart in the trailer park, so I jacked the keys to her fucking car and crashed that piece of shit, then stepped away. BMAC, we've been chattering about the library bar in every pod to date so far, it seems, so that's the inspiration for our new segment, Who's at the library bar at the Royal York Hotel? Doesn't necessarily have to be NHL related. It could be anybody. Uh, who's at the library bar for you this week? Well, I'd imagine both Alain Vignon and Bruce Cassidy because they are in a deep hole in their respective series. Alain so that Vignon would make sense. Is complaining at the library bar to He's... anybody that will listen about uh, <laughs> bad calls for his team, uh, complaining about the officiating, yeah, complaining about the other teams tactics to beat his club which is really underperformed against the islanders yeah he's definitely there and uh he's the loudest one they're they're definitely sitting like you know one one at the corner bar and one at the other side like you know just with their nuts and their stellas their 80 dollar stellas (laughs) but not a non-hockey related probably denzel washington like you know Tiff is coming up soon. I'm sure that place gets like inundated. Like I'm sure, you know, Denzel, um, you know, Adam Driver. I'm just going off the, off the cuff here. Like a lot of you kind of look like Adam Driver. Has anyone ever told you that, Kenny? No. Well, actually, maybe I think like one lady at a restaurant told me <laughs> once. It was like right after Star Wars came out, and I was like, my hair was like a little bit longer. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Adam Driver, like. I was like, that's that's a very nice compliment. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, I'll one take the, that. Yeah, one of the A-listers in Hollywood right now. So whenever you get that comparison, it's uh, it's pretty flattering. I don't think that there's a whole lot of similarities <laughs> between the two of us, but uh, I guess it's harder to compare yourself. Um, interesting take. I wasn't expecting you to go that way. Like, who's in the library bar? The celebrities that could potentially be in the city for the big film festival. I would be questioning though how many people are actually going to make the trip obviously the restrictions on traveling to canada right now right by yeah. the canadian government I, I guess it would typically be coming up yeah but... it would be uh it would be a two-week mandatory quarantine for anybody coming up and obviously you have to have a good reason if you're traveling from the states right now to even get across the canadian border so probably not as ravaged by celebrities as yeah. it normally would be uh for me, like you already named my guy a little bit earlier, uh, it's Bruce Cassidy. Yeah. You know, I really feel for this coach of the Boston Bruins, which is weird for a Maple Leafs fan to say because we're geared to hate this guy, hate these guys, and for good reason for what they've done to us in the postseason. <laughs> Most Maple Leaf fans are dancing yeah. on the Bruins' grave, seeing them down 3 1 to the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. But for me, like, Cassidy, it was just such an unfortunate turn of events for the head coach and for the organization with the medical emergency for Tuka Rask, him having to leave the bubble right at the beginning of the series with Tampa Bay. Um, obviously, they handled that really well in the Boston market. You know, see Twitter explode, everybody raking this guy's names through the coals. They're ready to ship him out of town this offseason. But for an unexpected situation like that to come up and affect the way that your team has been playing and sort of stifle any positive momentum. Uh, we know that Yaro Halak can be a very capable backup, but I think we're seeing right now why he's not a full-time starter in the league. Yes, he can come in and give you some good efforts here and there, but when he's the primary guy between the pipes, 
occasionally you're going to get in trouble. You obviously saw in, what was it, game three, there was a huge route for Tampa Bay. The guys couldn't stop a nosebleed. They had to pull in the backup, who was essentially a member of the Black Aces. That and then Braden it. Point just completely undressed him. It's like, go back to the fan. Like, it's basically, I forget the, it, the name it, of the goalie. He was going to the library bar that night. Honestly, <laughs> like honestly he, 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 let's, be, let's be real. He didn't look like an NHL goaltender, and he's not. That's unfair. He was, he was like not it. expecting to get put in net at all during this postseason run. It's going to be one of the other two guys. But with Rask leaving, obviously he got tossed into a tough situation. I didn't think that Halak played particularly well in the last game either. The 3-1 lightning win. I mean, this has just got to be giving headaches to Bruce Cassidy. And I feel for him because it's an unforeseen situation. There's nothing that you can necessarily do about it from a coaching perspective to fix it. I mean, the Boston Bruins are one of the most defensively responsible teams in the league, especially that first line, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. I mean, last season, I think they, did, they didn't give up a five-on-five goal to like midway through December. Mm-hmm. That's insane. For that line, and it shows That's you nuts. how shut down they can be. Obviously, it's a big part of their team philosophy, so you can't say they need to be tighter in front of them. I mean, they're going to have to dig deep now because their backs are up against the wall. Big cliche, but no, it it onto Tampa Bay, and this is something that we haven't come to expect from a veteran team. But the Lightning are as advertised, and we've been expecting them to take the next step and be able to show what they've got in the postseason, as we highlighted during the last pod they've sort of underachieved comparably to what they've been able to achieve in the regular season. So the lightning have arrived and they're going to need a huge game of Yarrow Halak or it'll be Bruce Cassidy's last night in the library bar after the game this evening. It will be. It, it very well could be. Well, it, it was really just a sense of, of relief for the lightning because they were still like, oof, like they weren't playing that, that lightning locked in game like they were when they won the President's Trophy last, last year. Yeah, Just dominating the entire points, regular right? season. Kucherov, 129 points. The Lightning, 129 insane. points. Like, unreal but stat lines. It's, it's, it was getting over that hump, right? It's like, okay, because this is a team. And I remember, I remember Cooper said post-game, it's like it's been like 363 days, whatever, since – like, they had that date circled. Like, they were just chomping at the bit to beat – the Columbus Blue Jackets, and obviously the Jackets still took a chunk out of them, but they have been playing with such ease against a better team in the Boston Bruins. I see them closing it out now. They, they look in just fine form, completely fine form. Yeah, I mean, this is – they added And the motivation the was well. beating Columbus, get over yeah. that hump. Yeah, they, they added the deadline, bringing a couple playoff guys, uh, obviously Coleman from New Jersey – has been a big part Huge. of the Ma- of I was gonna say of the Maple Leafs of uh, Tampa Bay's consistency in this playoffs. I mean, they signed Pat, Pat Maroon, Maroon in the off season yep. to bring him in. He brings his cup pedigree at coming off the win against or the win with St. Louis. Rather, I mean, this team looks like they're ready to take the next step, and we've been waiting for this for quite some time. It's good for them to get the monkey off their back. As you get a couple playoff series wins, it looks like inevitably now they're going to be advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals against what looks like the New York Islanders. So that'll be a frustrating series for them uh, with the way that the Isles have been able to play this postseason, just shut down defense, blocking shots. I mean, they've been unreal. Um, Yeah, it's Tampa Bay's time, I think, to make that next step. And perhaps I would assume against the Islanders, 
they probably have to be the favorite. No, I mean, we talk about the frustrating style that the Isles play, but the offensive firepower and the Lightning have proven that, especially with that decor, whether you look at Hedman, um, whether you look at Sergachev, uh, you look at Shattenkirk that came over in the offseason signing a shorter ticket, uh, McDonough, who was injured the other day, but presumably won't be out for too long. I mean, they're top to bottom, just a very, the most complete team by my estimation, left in the tournament. Obviously, it's been well-documented. Vasilevsky's success in the offseason. He seems to be feeling his game right now, being solid between the pipes, good rebound control, not really giving the shooters anything to look at. He's got that big frame, like over six feet tall, so he can eliminate a lot of the net just by using proper angles. I mean, this team looks tough to beat, and despite the Isles' persistence, we'll say, I feel like even if they get sneak by Philadelphia, which they're up three, one right now. So that seems like a foregone conclusion as well. They're going to have a lot of trouble with this team in the Eastern conference finals. They will. And the one thing I will say to, to give the Islanders some credit is they have done a fantastic job of shutting down the flyers, top guns, like drew Voracek, Couturier, JVR, you know, when JVR you got was Kevin a healthy Hayes, scratch the other day, that's that's got to be a that's first. That's a seven million dollar healthy scratch in the playoffs, and he's like well, the third or fourth highest player, highest paid player on the team. Yeah, that's and obviously we've been very familiar with what he's been able to do. Uh, watching him for a couple of years in Toronto, he's yeah. so lethal right around the net, but he just hasn't been able to get it done for them this postseason. Like zero points in nine games, up minus three which is pretty chilly for that guy. I mean, this is a guy who is brought in and expected to be able to contribute in the postseason and help push them to the next level. And he hasn't Absolutely. been able to do that. No, not at all. So, you know, the Islanders, like you said before, very tight checking, not a flashy team, but you know, that they'll just wear down top guys. So that that's one thing, you know, Tampa has got to consider because obviously the flyers are in, are in a deep hole right now. And, and they're the better team on paper with all their star power. Yeah. No, like, like you think they, star like you power said. on the Islers, Islanders, you think Barzell, that's it. Really? They have nobody else. Like Komarov and Martin were, were fine in the back of the net the other night. <laughs> well, by my estimation, like the only two players who have been really good for this team, like pretty well throughout, have been uh, Voracek has been good. You know, he, he's been pretty consistent for goals right, so yeah. far. Yeah, he's been, he's been pretty good. Uh, Hayes, I thought, has turned it around a little bit. He has 10 points so far but then when you look at their big guns as you were highlighting before zero goals for Giroux and zero goals for Konechny and Konechny was a player that was highlighted coming into these playoffs as being a young player who is on a very affordable contract who has been a huge difference maker for this Philadelphia Flyers team and to be held scoreless so far in the postseason is well below the expectations mm -hmm. and is a big reason why they're in the hole right now to the island huge reason why and now today we're recording this on a monday we got boston tampa at seven that one's three one tampa and then dallas colorado a series also three one that we haven't really touched on but yeah, i i really had I, I really had the abs as the favorites in this one but dallas continues to surprise well dallas was if you recall last year i think they lost in seven to the St. Louis Blues. So they were right there and ready to take they were. the next step. This is actually one of my worst hockey takes was about two years ago. I was like, the stars stink. 
Like they got to break up the core. They got to separate Bagan, Sagan, Bagan. I was about to say, Tyler Bagan. Tyler Bagan. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the they have to separate Ben. They have to separate Sagan. Like they just can't do it. They can't win in the postseason. They can't take it to that next level. Boy, was I wrong, because they've been one of the best teams in the Western Conference the last two seasons. Obviously, you see what their back end is capable of. I mean. Jesus, we talked about him last time, but Miro Hiskinen leading the defenseman in points right now in the NHL playoffs so far. I mean, Klingberg from top to bottom, their top line has been producing. They're getting good goaltending, even with Bishop going down of their backup, Hudobin. I mean, they've been an excellent, excellent team and have overcome being the underdogs against the Avs. I mean, these guys were steamrolling heading into this series and now they look like they don't have the answers for what Dallas is throwing at them. And again, backs against the wall, which is the theme of the podcast as everybody's down three to one, but Colorado has to respond and win three straight. If they want to make their aspirations, which were Stanley cup aspirations this year. Yeah. You don't get many captains in this league, Kenny, that can score and can fight and like fight well. You know, I think Blake Wheeler, who we touched on in another podcast, and Jamie Benn. Like, Jamie Benn is a freaking horse. And obviously, yeah, you know, you have that big man. You have that two headed monster in, in Ben and Sagan. But again, they're, they're continuing to, to prove people wrong. And now they have, they have their foots on their throats on the, they have their foots on the Avs throats now. So it's going to be, it's going to be down to the wire game tonight. Yeah. And you know what? Like, at this point, like Dallas has been such a fun team to watch. This would be a great series in the next round if it indeed is the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. I mean, two teams with so, sort of similar identities. Um, obviously, both have sort of the tandem goalie system and Flurry right. and Leonard for Vegas and Hudobin and Bishop have been able to carry the weight for Dallas. Uh, I'd say that I'd give Vegas the edge as far as their depth in their top top forwards. And in just in their top half of their lineup, I mean, I think they're a more well-balanced four-line team than Dallas is. But you got to give Dallas the edge on the back end with the way that their defensemen are able to snap the puck around, get involved in the offense. I think uh, Heiskanen and Klingberg now have combined for 25 points so far during this playoff run. So you understand how important it is for that franchise to get production out of the back end to help the offense and take a little pressure off the offense as far as scoring all the goals. They've been able to effectively do that. And this would be a fun series to watch between those two Western Conference opponents. It would be. And obviously Canadian bias, but I don't want to, you know, write off the Canucks too, too quick. I mean, Robin Leonard, two shutouts in this series. He's been unbelievable. Yeah, and, you know, the Canucks. We, we talked about the agents calling, yeah. out, calling out Leonard, but it's like. What an idiot man, now. They're like, running the hot hand and Leonard is been as advertised he's showing up if anything it's like just give him a chip on his shoulder being like all right like he'll never say this publicly but would this not motivate you to go out and play better knowing that your backup is so pissed off because he thinks that he's the better kit caliber goaltender and should be between the pipes like that's got i have a chip on my shoulder and a grin and a grin ear to ear like yep i'm gonna go get another shutout yeah but i mean canucks had a, a prime opportunity to to make the series interesting last night three goals in five minutes from the golden knights that's just quite frankly that's typical vegas that's what you're dealing with in, in a in a deep 
playoff series. And, you know, obviously the young Canucks are similar to the Leafs. They got to they gotta understand that and try and call their way back. Yeah, it's going to be an eventful Eastern and Western Conference final as we get to the end of what's been a very interesting and newsworthy cycle of events. The COVID Cup, nobody saw any of this playing out the way that it has, but the quality of the hockey's been good. And I think that bodes well for the NHL, particularly when you look at some of the markets that are going to be making into the finals. Obviously, it might be preferable for the NHL as far as having bigger markets in there, but as far as the growth of the game is concerned, to have these newer markets or less traditional hockey markets into the game, that's going to do tremendous things for the sport, particularly when you look at Vegas and Dallas, who, A, like Vegas being the brand new market, and Dallas, who really hasn't had success since those early 2000s, you know, Mike Madonna, Darian Hatcher, Sergey Zubov, like those teams that were able to bring home the cup back in the day. Sakic, Tangay. That's the Avs. I know, you said Avs in Dallas. Did I say the Avs? Oh, man, my, my mistake. Oh, no, you said say, Vegas yeah, and yeah, Dallas. Yeah, Vegas and Dallas. I was talking about the, the stars. Okay, I was, I was thinking team, about Darian like Hatcher, Mike Madonna, old classic all, yeah, all those guys. Abs when, players. Yeah, Brett Hull. Yeah. You remember well, that? You remember that guy when he was playing in Dallas? 99 in the crease, OT. Yeah. Little, little would that have counted there. today? Yeah, I think it would have counted today for yeah. sure. I think it probably should have counted. Like, it should have counted then. I understand, like, by the letter of the law, why they thought that it shouldn't count because obviously it's like any at that point it was like if you're in the blue paint then it doesn't matter but it's not as if he was interfering with the goaltender at all no it just it just happened that his foot was in there but yeah i wouldn't it for sure would count today and i just remember uh, bob, uh, bob cole was just like and like he had no idea he was like and the stanley cup has been won <laughs> the, i was like he had no idea what was going on i was like are they calling it off or what but no, I think I think this the same would stand true today. Like it would it would be a good goal. It would for sure be a good goal. B Mac, you got anything on the docket for this week, or what are you up to? U.S. Open, Kenny, big U.S. Sky. Open guy, tennis, tennis. So a lot of coverage of that this week. Hopefully, um, Milos and Chapo can make some deep runs here. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. I well, think if I had to choose, well, out of the three, Felix, Milos, and Chapo, I think probably Chapo would have the best chance. Yeah. Yeah. Milos hasn't shown me enough like recently, obviously since that Wimbledon final, like a couple of years back. I mean, he's one of the most dominant players in the game when he has the serve, but yes, he has a lot of difficulty breaking point when the opposition has the serve. And that's always been his Achilles heel. Uh, If he, if his opponent ever breaks him, he's at a significant, significant disadvantage for the match because he just doesn't have the athleticism. He's a power player. So if you get him moving around the court, it becomes really difficult for him to be effective. Absolutely. It's too bad we won't get to see Bianca too, who won the U.S. Open last year against the GOAT, Serena Williams. Yeah, unreal. But, um, yeah, she was... Uh, we'll see her she, back in action soon because she's a phenomenal player to watch. Yeah, she's a phenomenal player. I feel like she may have just uh, relaxed a little bit too much. Yeah, quarantine <laughs> a little vacay. Yeah, because she was saying like during COVID, uh, because because of COVID, her body wasn't uh, in shape or whatever. She she used it more discreet language than that. But when I read the quote, it was essentially like, yeah, I'm not in shape because of coronavirus. Like I, <laughs> I like I can't show up to the U.S. Open, or I'm going yeah. to get absolutely dusted by these people because <laughs> yeah. like, first round. Yeah, it's going to be it's well, going to be an embarrassing showing and hey, like I can't knock. I gained probably about 20 pounds in the dark 
in the dark times of the quarantine there when we were in about month two. Yeah, I was I was packing on the pounds for sure before I got actively riding my bike again. So at least a little bit of that weight's come off now, but I shouldn't. I have been uh, a a steady uh, Uber Eats. Um, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Uber Eats. <laughs> Skip the dishes. I've been uh, oh. I've been hammering the occasional delivery. Uh, been doing uh, my fair share of Domino's pizza. I'm like none of these nice. guys are even advertisers, so I don't know why we're just throwing all the names <laughs> out there. You just gonna be like, what the hell are you guys doing, guys? You gotta get paid advertisers. Can't just be throwing out people's names on the pod. We need Osmos. Osmos has a sponsor. What's Osmos? That'd be big. No Osmos is like Donaire slash Smokes Boutine. I've never had a Donaire before. I I think I had one in Kingston, but it's it's really good. It's kind of like kind of like a Yilo. That was my understanding. Is it's kind of similar to like a Yilo, like the Greek sort of pita. Yes, exactly. They throw like a little uh, tzatziki in there, onions, tomatoes. Kenny, last thing I wanted I wanted to bring up: which ad, hockey ad, uh, do you like more? The Sportsnet ad with Jim Houston, Morgan Riley, Brent Burns, like Lays. It's a little, it's a little corny. Yeah. Or yeah. the uh, we were talking about Mark Stone and Flurry and the Knights. The uh, one of their ads with the phone. I don't know if it's a yeah it's yeah. It's, it's, it's not it's for an iPhone. iPhone. Yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's the iPhone where they have a duct tape yeah. to like the stick. Yeah, I, I kind of like that one better. Yeah, I like that one better. I think the I think the other one's a little bit tacky. Also, um. I don't it's like watch. every other commercial. It's like, ah. A lot of the feeds that I've been watching for the game, though, I get different advertisements because I've been watching like the NHL network feeds. So oh, I don't really okay. get as many okay. commercials. I just get these weird highlight packs that are like terribly edited. And then they show like them. Yeah, I saw that tweet of yours. Yeah, so this was, an NA- this was a TSN pack, right? It was No, no, it's like, okay. a, it's like over the <laughs> NHL. Like it's, it's awful. I have a video of it on my iPad. I just like, I don't know. I got to go check it and I'll post it under the feed. Man, yeah, one of the worst it. packs I've ever. It was seen an Avalanche pack. Yeah, well, it's like they had the Avs logo, and it was like to the music, but it kept like they'd show somebody deking and then like about to shoot the puck, and then it would just cut away before like it showed the goal, and That's it just it, it just kept looping, like on the beat, and I was like, oh man, this thing is making me sick to my stomach every time we go to commercial break. I was like, who approved this pack? I'll uh, I'll post it to the Not Another Leafs Pod. On yes. Twitter, I guess we should actually throw out the handle. Uh, follow Leaf Spod on Twitter at Ken Stapon at B McCarthy ninety five at HockeyPodNet. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for this week's episode of Not Another Leafs Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon with Brendan McCarthy. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.